um, and again, mental health phrases, phrases like man up and all this kind of stuff, it, it is that culture and that stigma that if you try and open up and talk about something, you're weak. But, you know, for, for me, it's been long learned that if you open up and speak, you're strong. You know, that, that takes a lot of guts to, to turn around and use your voice and, and open yourself up. Welcome to another episode of The Burnt Chef Journal, hosted by myself, Chris Hall, the founder of The Burnt Chef Project. This week's guest is Simon the Butcher, who owns both butchery and delicatessens in Surrey, and is also the captain of the Great British Butchery Team. He joins us this week to talk about his experiences of stress and burnout after working 36-hour working days, and he talks about how that has impacted and changed his life, as well as the change of mentality that that has had on him and also his businesses. Simon's a great guy. It was a really interesting conversation and again, another fantastic guest to add to this week's lineup. Lamb Western are your partner in potatoes. We're a leading global frozen potato manufacturing business with a wealth of experience in offering a portfolio of high-end and quality products on a consistent basis. We supply the pub, casual dining, QSR sectors. We believe in well-being free potatoes and we are very proud to support the Burnt Chef Project. Here to offer our support and help for those that need it and any solutions that you need for you and your business. Simon. Hey, how you doing? Not bad at all, thank you. So yourself? Yeah, good to meet you, Chris. For those uh, who aren't perhaps aware of you and, and the work that you do, are you able just to explain sort of a little bit about your background and uh, and sort of why you're here today? Sure. So uh, my name's Simon Taylor. Um, I'm a butcher and I have worked in traditional butcher shops since the age of 13, um, just coming up to my 40th birthday, so we're, we're creeping on uh, to, to sort of three decades. Um, it's all I've ever really known. Um, like most things in life, there's been a whole journey to the to the career I have now, um, where we've ended up with uh, four shops, a few different projects, um, and yeah, just just trying to do things right in the industry now. Four four shops, and whereabouts are these shops based? Uh, all, all around Surrey. So um, our main sort of flagship, if you will, is in Oxshop in Surrey, um, and then we've got a shop in Frensham, and we've got a shop in Windlesham, and the fourth is actually a delicatessen, which I co-own, um, and that's also in Oxshop. So we're just starting to diversify a little bit. Um, and very lucky for me, actually, a, a fantastic chef friend of mine, Nick Sinclair, um, he's my business partner in that, and, and his, his food knowledge, we would never have got the deli without him. Um, he blows me away with what he knows. And I uh, see so you're importing some uh, some quite interesting things, eh? Absolutely, yeah. It's 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 one of those terrible shops to go in. You know, if you're into your food, you go in there, and it's just you know an array of of good charcuterie and every chutney under the sun. It's it's incredible. I love I love that. That's so that's how you sell the business. It's uh, it's a terrible <laughs> shop. <laughs> it's a yeah, terrible yeah. shop to go into. It'll, it'll drag you in, yeah. That's class. So, I mean, butchery, it's something that, I mean, I'm intrigued. How did you get into butchery in, in, in the first place? How old were you? Uh, so, yeah, so I was 13 um, and it was it was classic. Uh, at 13, I already had a paper round and a car washing round and I was always motivated by money. Um, you know, my parents basically said, you know, if, if you want something, you, you go and earn some money and you can buy it. So that's what I did. Um and the local butchers just had a sign in the window. They wanted a, a Saturday boy, um, and that was me. Um, and you know, even talking back and, and looking at the wording now, it literally said Saturday boy. Um, you know, it didn't say Saturday person. It's Saturday boy. Our times have changed. Um, and that was that was how I started. Um, and I, it was very easy for me because I've always enjoyed food, and I was always comfortable in the kitchen. Uh, our nan lived with us at home and she was she was always cooking in the kitchen my mum was always cooking so food wasn't an issue for me and, and seeing bits of meat hanging up um didn't didn't phase me um as, as a 13 year old lad and yeah it just the more the more I went into it the more uh, comfortable I was I was never great at school um 
slightly dyslexic and you know had learning support all through school um it just wasn't for me you know um but what I was good with was was my hands and I could work and I could do what I was told most of the time um so yeah and ended up in this this sort of industry um and was offered an apprenticeship straight out of school at 16 um so went straight into that and, and learned the trade in the very traditional ways and I and I often think that um there must be a lot of parallels between butchery and the chefing world. Um, I was a KP in a, a kitchen after hours for a little while, and it's very similar. Um, you know, the, the the banter, the sort of, the, I think, the old school culture, the way that people are treated up the rungs, I think it's it's very similar. Mm. Um, but, yeah, but, you know, as I say, it was, it was something that sat well for me because I like my food, so it, it kept me engaged. That's amazing. I mean, how long does it take you to to perfect the art of, of butchery? Um, if if I'm if I'm being a realist, I, I don't think you ever perfect it. I think um, it, it it is an art, and it's one of those things where um, you know, as as you know, you know, no two foods are the same, no two no two carrots are the same, no two, you know, no two animals are ever exactly the same. So um, there's always that artistic license, even to what we do. And I would say in, in its general sense, you, you can probably um, call yourself, well, you can call yourself a butcher, I believe, by working in a butcher shop. That You're fine to say you're a butcher. To, to really learn the skill, I'd say two years as a minimum. Um, when we start to talk about master butchery, I think personally you're looking more like six years um, to really have had that amount of experience. Like I say, you know, you need to experience so many different um, cuts, animals, species to to really refine the trade. Um, but all about exposure, really. The more exposure, the better. What, what is it they say? That time time in the market is worth more than money in the market. Hey, completely. I really agree. You know, I, I do think that if if you're ever gonna um, really master something, you you've got to get out there and walk the walk. Um, there's there's no shortcut for me um i think you've you've got to do the graft and you've got to really experience it to to come out better so i'm in i'm intrigued then i mean be, being in butchery from a very early age how 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 did you make the step from being the butcher to being a, a, a multi-business owner yeah so uh, not a not a smooth journey i have to admit um there's uh there were points when i uh, i really wasn't happy being a butcher i wasn't proud I definitely wasn't um, happy with with my profession and the way people looked at it, the way we were looked upon, um, and also money. There was there was no money in it. Um, sort of mid to late nineties, there was foot and mouth BSE, and the, the industry was a bad way. Local butcher shops were closing. Um, that's all you'd ever hear was you know so and so's closing down the road. This guy's closing. You never heard of a butcher opening. Um, which yeah. fortunately you do these days. We're starting to get a bit more of that, but um, it, it wasn't it, it wasn't a bright future. So um, I was very fortunate that a point in my life where I was I was in a flat. I'd moved out of home at eighteen. Um, I had no money. I had loans. Um, I wasn't in a great place. Saw no future in what I was doing. But I came across a guy called Rob Muscle, um, who has a shop, um, Woods Butchers. Uh, where I went to work and he inspired me and he showed me that I could be proud of of what I did uh, and I could enjoy what I did and that there was indeed a future and thanks to Rob um, you know I pushed on and then um, it was 2011 um, I got married turned 30 and got the keys to the first shop at Hawk Shop um, all in about a two-month window so it was a bit of a bit of a crazy time um but yeah from then on we just we built and built um we uh, grew the business uh, had two kids two beautiful children um and everything was rosy everything was going great business was good i got a place on the national butchery team um which exists to uh, most people's surprise, but there is competition that happens uh, globally for butchery. Um, so very luckily got into that. Lots and lots going on. I actually went and competed uh, in what they call the World Butchers Challenge. And the 
day after didn't feel too great. Um, sorry, I've, I've snowballed in the story, but I'll carry on. Um, didn't feel fantastic. Um, sort of said to the wife, you know, I, I think I better go get checked out. So she took me to the a and I walked in um, and then, you know, within a few minutes, I had a, a doctor saying to me, um, you know, Mr. Taylor, can you sit on the bed? You're having a heart attack. Um, so, yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty rough point um, in my life. But sorry, I don't know how I got to that. But um, we we were building so well as a business, um, and we were so strong. If if that's the way to look at it, or I thought I was, um, and I was in that kind of invincible stage where um, you know I was I was doing way too much. I was um, we were doing catering at that point. You know there were times when I'd be getting up at three o'clock in the morning. Um, going to work, doing the catering, then doing the daily business at the shop, um, not coming home till till late, probably doing a bit of bookwork in the evening, um, you know, trying to see the kids, trying to be with the wife, probably not getting to bed at a decent time, and then up at three again the next day. Um, and ultimately that, the pressure, the stress, probably not a fantastic diet, if I'm honest. Um, but, yeah, all wound up with, with me in hospital. Um which changed a lot of things, a lot of things. That's incredible. And, and how old were you, sorry? Uh, I was, uh, good question, I think I was 37. Uh, yeah, 37. Not not the age you'd, uh, you'd, you'd usually say, associate heart attacks with people who are sort of heavily obese and, and you know, exactly. in, their, in their 60s or, you know. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, in, I'm in decent shape and always have been. Um, and as I say, always you know, thought I was quite strong at that point. Not only was I doing all that, I was actually going to the gym, and I was I was trying to fit in some time and and thinking that that was healthy because I was going to the gym because I was doing a big run. I thought, oh, you know, that entitles me to stress my body in other ways and my mind, and um, wasn't the case. You know, probably the the exercise was just adding to the pile. It wasn't. Um, uh, it wasn't helping me because I was pressuring it into my routine. You know, I was forcing myself to do it because I thought that it was healthy, but um, really wasn't um, because it was just adding to that, that stressor because it was that thing that I was stressing out to go to the gym and making it happen when the time wasn't available, um, being tired, making my body hurt. It was just a bit of a, bit of a spiral at the time. That's, that's, I mean, I didn't expect you to say that. Um, I mean, that's yeah. that's pretty pretty heavy. I mean, what, what sort of signals? Did you have any signals or any warning signs that that was about to happen? Yeah, I, th- I think you know, with with all these things, when I when I look back on it, um, the the run up uh, and the the pressure that I was under, like say, you know, running running the business at that time, I only had the one shop, but we we were doing a lot. We we were doing the catering, we were doing. Um, good trade throughout the shop, um, had a few staff, um, was doing the, the work with Team GB, which, you know, is an absolute honour um, and I'm, I'm lucky enough to still work with them now. Um, but it was very time consuming and, and all of that was mixing in with um, guilt for not being with my two young children a bit more, um, guilt for not supporting my wife better. Um and it, just pressure, um, and, and there were signs of, you know, um, funny things. You know, just um, what what I would probably look at now and, and think, okay, I need to take a time out. Back then, I probably just, you know, took a few more paracetamol and um, tried to push on. I, I started taking, um, I forgot what they're called, but there's a um, like a migraine pill. Um, I think it's like called Migraine or something. And I've, I've become heavily reliant on those because I would get migraines um, and I'd have to just go and um, what I'd do is I'd go into the toilet at work, turn the light off, uh, set a timer on my phone for 10 minutes, um, just close my eyes, try and push it back, take a couple of Migraine and then go back to work. Um, just really unhealthy, really, really unhealthy stuff. And I mean, a lot of this is, is, a physical reaction to to long term sustained stress is I mean it's it's a stage far beyond burnout, um, and it's certainly a stage 
I've I've known a friend of mine. He he ends up in hospital from um, liver and kidney failure as a result of of stress. Yeah. Um, but it's often something that we don't tend to explore. We talk about the impacts of it on our mental well-being, but not necessarily on a physical. I mean, mm. mentally, how were you at that at that stage as well? Other than you know the 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 migraine leaves to to keep you going. You know what? I've been um, throughout my life. Um, I was I was born premature, not not by much. Like um, it was only like a month, but enough that I was I was put in an incubator for a little while, and. Um, some of the things that, that my doctors said to the parents, my parents at that point, um, were things like, um, you know, he'd always have uh, learning difficulties and uh, like silly things stick out. I was always told that I wouldn't be able to stick my tongue out, which is weird because I can. But anyway, um, the, the point being that from that very early age, my mum had this, or my parents had this thing where um, I was never pushed and I always had an excuse. So up till then, I always, always had an excuse that, um, as long as I did my best, everything was okay. So as I went on doing my best, um, and I never really got any grief for doing bad. So up to the point where I had my heart attack, I'd never really had um, enough knocks. So I, I truly, you know, I'm not an idiot, but I did think I was a little bit invincible. I thought, you know, I'm so safe um, that I just kept going. I just kept going. and it And it took that to happen um uh, and when it did happen you know i, I spent uh, a week in hospital um came out the other side and, and the doctors i've actually got um permanent damage because a bit of a long-winded story it wasn't actually a heart attack um it was uh, something called myocarditis which in its simple form is a virus in the heart and it, and it sometimes it's not actually that bad um but what happened was my heart swelled so much that it blocked the arteries like a heart attack um, and left me with permanent damage. So there's a part of my heart muscle that doesn't work anymore. And uh, after a few MRIs, the, the doctors concluded that I would need to be on pills for the rest of my life. Um, and that obviously I would, I would always have to be a little bit conscious about what I did for the rest of my life. So for the first time I was, you know, coming home with all those things still active, the business, uh, the family, um, all these things still around me. Yeah, I was looking at it knowing that I wasn't as strong as I was and mentally that hit me hard um I didn't really really fully comprehend that at the beginning um and it was I was actually in the pharmacy picking up uh, my medication and one of the pharmacists there said to me oh Mr Taylor are these are these pills for you uh, I said yeah she said oh if you don't mind me saying um you know it, it's awfully a lot for a man of your age um she said, have you, have you tried any other form of medication? And I didn't really know what she meant. And, and she told me to um, look at uh, Dr. Rongan Chatterjee's book, um, The Four Pillar Plan, uh, amongst other things. But anyway, that was the one that I picked up. It was an audible book. I was able to listen to it. Um, and the more I listened to it, I, I realized that, um, you know, there were so many factors to what was wrong with me and, and mentally – I was I was really struggling. My uh, my map or my you know my roadmap of where I was going and the plan I had for the future had just been obliterated. So you know all, all these things that I was thinking I was going to do and the next steps, uh, suddenly thinking should I do them? Um, again, you know, family came into mind massively. Um, at the at that point in time, my daughter was two. Um, and it was just a shocking realization of yeah, I've I've got to be here for longer. I've got I've got to work this out. So anyway, eventually um, I went back to the doctor because I wasn't really sure what I was doing. Um, I was sort of saying to you know with these pills, you know how how do I come off them? And she basically sat me down and just look, Mister Taylor, you, you now have an issue. You do need medication. She said, I, I agree. You know we can try and. Uh, reduce that medication or, or you know work against it she said however she said what I think you really need is I think you need to, to go and do some therapy um, and even that took me back because you know part of this masculine world and the way I was raised and the even the wording and saying masculine and all this sort of stuff um, I didn't expect it and I didn't know what to do with it um, turned out to be fantastic because because I did I went and did some some therapy um, and tried to 
just just relook at what I was doing and um, make a new a new plan and a new guide. And it, 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 I still need it now. Let's put it that way. Um, I, I don't confess to be um, anywhere near as good as I should be. Um, I had to have a call with the doctor this morning. Funny enough, um, just just to have some checks and bits done. But what it did for me is it, it just reorganised my brain um, and it made me stop um, and it made me think, okay, what what is important? What do we need to do? Um, and I've been very fortunate since then. Um, I've got good people around me um, and that's one bit of advice I would I would give anybody is is don't be afraid to to open up really and I know that we all once you've once you've done it I'm not saying it's easy but it, it feels easier once you've done it um you know I, I never wanted to admit that that I was you know even trying to say I'm mentally weak I wasn't mentally weak I was just you know uh, struggling because things had changed and that's fine um and uh, you know the whole thing with with your friends and your family when when you first got to go to them and say number one you know I've, I've had a heart issue I've had some heart trauma that that's bad enough but then you've got to go to them again and be like actually not only have I been through this but now I'm I'm struggling mentally um, and I, and I don't know 100 percent what I should do with myself so it's amazing once you once you speak to loved ones or or anyone if I'm honest number one the weight that it takes from you. Um, so the the lift that I felt once I started speaking to anybody, even my doctor, um, just just those first initial conversations of, oh, okay, th- this this is what you think is happening. This is what we can do. And then moving on from that, by the time I was, because I wasn't confident straight away to tell my friends, um, but after a while, you know, when when you start to talk to your friends, you find it's amazing because everybody else has these issues too you know it's not mm. everything you go through isn't or it doesn't have to be as lonely as, as you first feel it and that's that's a big thing I felt I felt very lonely um initially because I was I went into this little ball of oh woe is me um but you know you're never the only one there's there's always people out there that can help you out and advise you um and as I say I was, I was very lucky I was very lucky that I I think I crossed paths with the right people at the right time and 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 those pieces of advice whether it's just that I was open to them you know, subconsciously roaming around waiting for somebody to give me that advice. Um, and it happened, but yeah, after that, um, after a few sessions, um, I, funny enough, I'd, I'd actually use CBT, uh, and NLP when I was building my business, um, long, long time ago, uh, a very old colleague I worked with had suggested using some, some mapping to, um, to help me business plan more than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I must have just always ignored the 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 mental side of it, and I just put it into business. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, actually, you know, this makes so much sense um, in a helpful way mentally. Yeah, I mean, I think perhaps because you were looking at it as a uh, business as an academic thing, it never necessarily appealed to you in terms of a, a medical a medical thing. I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing that, to hear you talk about being open and the weight that you get lifted off of you and you're able to break through that threshold that is so firmly in place yeah. and finally pop, pop it like a bubble. Um, yeah. And, and, I, and I, think, I think we're in we're in a little bit of danger at the moment, exactly like you just said there, where the the you know the the dome we're in at the moment with with COVID. Um, silly things like you know i'm not a big drinker but i i can't wait for the pubs to be open um simply because it's another place where you can go and meet people and talk and and it doesn't have to be a pub you know it it could be a coffee shop it could be a walk in the park all these kind of things um i have to say I'm i'm a big user of instagram um we have a few sort of chat groups on instagram of of people in butchery and again it's um, social media gives us a great link to, to people in a similar situation to our own. And, um, the, you know, the butchery world is, is very niche anyway. Traditional butchery is, is incredibly small world, but mm. at least with social media, we can, we can link and get out there. You know, I've got, I've got some really good friends in America who, um, 
there are times sometimes you know you you don't want to tell your best friend sometimes it's it's actually easier to to tell someone in a message over instagram that you've you've never physically met before and that's a great first step um just just as you just said just burst that bubble just just let it out um talking's good thing talking's great for you it's amazing isn't it though like i don't know what i don't it's not like we were ever taught as kids (laughs) whatever happens don't talk to anyone don't talk i mean we don't talk to strangers obviously but don't talk to anyone about your mental health uh because you know it's the bad thing to do but it we've learned it and it's something that's been passed down by generation to generation um Mm -hmm. and yeah talking is i think the the key thing right as human beings and as animals we want to know that we're not alone we want to know that we've got security and to be able to speak to someone else and for them to go oh why didn't you say something sooner and it, yeah. it go all of a sudden you go oh wait so i'm not alone and that whole yeah. you know thinking that you are the only person going through that particular thing and whilst it's unique to you in terms of situation and how it feels the chances are that there's a, a half a dozen people around the outside of you who just have never spoken about it but going through the same thing yeah completely yeah even it's on a, even if it's on a similar vibe um you know um again through through covid um and this is weird because back to my story earlier the guy who uh, inspired me to stay in butchery rob muscle um throughout covid we're, we're both now business owners um and the fact that i could pick up the phone and speak to rob who was in the same situation with his work as me that was massive um and as you say we're both you know we both have very different shops we both have um different ways we run things however the similarities and being able to share um even some of your your issues or your problems um you know they say problem shared problem halved and it's so true because you know that person might just have the solution they might just have an answer for you yeah um, and even and even if the answer isn't something that they know they've given you sometimes you're it's like with therapy isn't it when they say certain things to you and they just ask you certain questions and you go away and it's not the therapy session that does the trick it's the questions that they've asked you and you you play them over in your head afterwards and that yeah. week in between seeing them again is that healing period and that... yeah yeah completely yeah it's um i i think for anybody who's who's ever thought about getting help or, or wondered what it's like i would say just go and do it um you know, I, I did have a little look, knowing that we were coming on here, I had a look around to find what was available in the butchery world. And, and I have to say there isn't masses. Um, for me, the route I took was I went to my doctor um, and just asked at the doctors and and was, was helped out in that way. Um, and then I've continued that journey personally. Um, as, as a company, we, um, you know, throughout all of this, we actually realised that we don't have enough structure. We have a, a something in place now that we can use um, and we try and make sure that we're always open and honest and speaking to our staff and always asking the question, even if even if the response is the same every time, we, we still ask just in case there's that one day um, when, when somebody does say, actually, you know, I, I could do the chat. Um, we also try and encourage uh, all our staff members to, to have that chat and we try to very much change the culture in, in our business. And I've been very lucky that we've got a good group um, who who can talk pretty openly um, amongst ourselves, which I think is healthy. Um, but we've, we've also have uh, like our primary authority, which is national craft butchers. Now, although they don't have specific links to, to mental health help, they can put people on the right path. So even, um, even if it has to be a, um, what's the word, an anonymous thing, um, it, it can be done, which is good. But I do think um, in the butchery world there, there there could be a little bit more um, support. And I, and I don't know how the, the Burnt Chef project feels about, um, you know, butchery using your service. 100%. I mean, the Burnt, yeah. so the burnt Chef project um, – it has good branding. The name, the name travels far and people relate to it, but let's be honest, mental health and well-being isn't something that is specific to chefs. It's not specific yeah. to, to any, it doesn't discriminate, you know, it's similar to, it's similar to cancer. So yeah. what I've said since the very get go with the burn chef support service is 
it's available to anyone that has any ties to hospitality, whether you are a chef, a sommelier, a general manager, housekeeping, whether you're a supplier working for a wholesaler, you know, whether you provide spoons and forks to the business or you're you know, a butcher or a fishmonger, you know, the service is the service is there. I mean, please, the more that it gets used, the better, really, um, because it it is that anonymous helpline and it's that anonymous, yeah. you know, contact, isn't it? Well, you don't have to. Needed. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to read anyone's reactions or f- worry about what they think of you. Yeah, like you said a moment ago, you know, the um the 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 wording in our industry and as you said, the way we were raised, um, you know, nobody's set out to um uh, to, to give anybody bad mental health. However, um, you know, a few of the words I've used already, you know, it, it's it's always sort of male driven our side of the industry. So um, and again, mental health phrases, phrases like man up and all this kind of stuff. It, it is that culture and that stigma that um, if you try and open up and talk about something, you're weak. Um, but, you know, for, for me, it's been long learned that if you open up and speak, you're strong. You know, that, that takes a lot of guts to, to turn around and use your voice and, and open yourself up. And I think um, it's fantastic that, you know, I've, I've been listening to the podcast and, and you're getting so many great voices who, who people respect and, and you can look at those people and you can say, oh, okay, um, you know, uh, you know, Sat Baines, Nathan Outlaw, these guys, these guys have got issues because they're human beings and it's perfectly normal. Um, and, and it's about how, how we help each other deal with it. And, and I think that's a great thing. You know, I, like I say, I listened to your conversation with Sat um, and some of the advice just for, looking after the staff and as a business owner you look at that and you think you know if your staff are are well in in all aspects um physically mentally um you know well trained everything then ultimately as a business they're going to work better for you um they're they're going to help your business more they're you know long story short without sounding blunt they're going to make you more money um Mm -hmm. they're going to treat your customer better they're going to give you better service and that will grow your business. Um, and I like to think we've, we've, we've always done that. Um, and, and I think after what I went through, I certainly honed down on it a bit more. Um, I, I'd like to think I've always been a good guy. Um, I've, I've worked in some places. And again, I, I liken it to the restaurant where, you know, I've, I've worked for some awkward people. Let's put it that way. Um, and, and I've never wanted to be like that in my business. And, I, and again, I think that's something that's helped us grow. Um, and, and I hope my staff would say that, um, and, and, and I actually do hope they listen to this and I hope they all know that, you know, that we're all here for each other and we'll all support each other. Yeah, exactly. And I don't think, you know, the hospitality industry is, is long gone from the, the days of old where, you know, bullying and harassment was commonplace. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's, yeah. it's still more prevalent than I think many people think, but we're definitely, you know, we're definitely well on our way to, to recovery from that side of things. But yeah. I think we have, we have to realize that we aren't mental health and the subject of mental illness is such a new topic that we don't have the skill sets or the knowledge to be able to, provide optimum working at working uh, environments just yet right so it's taking me two years of daily research and conversations to be able to get to the stage where I feel competent to be able to speak to a business owner and advise them on on next steps but that's 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 daily that's hundreds of hours worth of work yeah so it, it's going to take a, it's going to take a lot more um and you know it's it's small things I, I think back to you know, I've had mental illness a couple of times in my life. And I think back to when I was managing a team, I was managing a sales team for a food wholesaler. And there's certain things that I've done in terms of management skill sets or styles that perhaps weren't beneficial for the well-being of the team, asking them to work longer hours, you know, not providing them with a listening ear, not giving them a sense of direction, sense of purpose, not increasing their skill sets, etc. And I know that, you know, I still keep in contact with them now. You know, it's not like these things are damaging long term, but they can compound issues. And it's not until you have 
the uh, any sort of training on this that it's very difficult things like mental health policies for example you know not many businesses have mental health policies yeah and and i'll i'll hold my hands up straight away and and it's it's one of those things where even coming on the show i'm looking at it and thinking well do we offer enough for our staff you know do, do we have a, a system in place and as i said in a roundabout way yes we do however um you know when when you take that responsibility and you look at it what what do we do and again fun enough my my friends in america who i speak to on instagram um they've sent me some some fantastic information with a um a really good structure of of how to help and advise people um and i certainly don't confess to have the answers because we're, we're very complex beings aren't we but um I think, as you say, as long as we're open to this, we, we have to keep learning and we have to keep listening um, and we have to be very much aware of it because, you know, we've all seen what it can do to people um, and, and it's shocking um, what, you know, untreated mental health can do. Um, it's very worrying. So it, it's, I, I think it's another one of those things, when you when you learn a bit about it and you, you sort of hear a bit of what's going on, you feel that responsibility all of a sudden as, as a business owner, um, as well as a friend, you know, um, my, my mates were, were really good a little while back with, with saying, you know, doors open, kettles on. Um, and, and we went around in this little circle for a while and it was another one of those eye openers where it's like, hang on a minute, we all need this. It wasn't, it wasn't one of us screaming out for, for a little bit of a chat and, and help. It was all of us. Um, and I, and I do believe friend groups are, are really important for that, really important. And, and if you don't have that friend you can talk to, then as, as you well know, there are people you can talk to. And, and as I said before, talking to anybody is a great start. It's a great help. And, and it's such a weight lift. It is. And I think there, there, there needs to be sort of a shared responsibility. We can't all go round. I mean, when I talk to people, I can tell. They're looking at me as if like I'm some sort of psychiatrist. I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to, you know. When I ask them how they are, they tell me they're automatically fine because if they they feel that if they give anything up, that's it. I'm going to start probing too much. But you know, I think as human beings, and certainly within our industry, you know, I think we need to be aware that I had it with a mate of mine who was struggling with his mental health, um, and even though I work in this field. The stigma was so strong that he couldn't talk to me. And you know what? And I'm embarrassed to say, but I, I missed the signs as well. I missed the missed the um responses to texts saying I'm not coming out or I'm not doing it, I'm not I'm not going anywhere, or and you know it's but and I think we need to educate ourselves from that perspective. Yeah, I mean, but I, you know, um no no shame on you because you know I've I've been there as well. You get you get very good at hiding it. Um, you, you get very good at the excuses. You get very good at, um, you know, having a reasonable excuse and being able to dodge a conversation um, because your your mind is telling you that that's the best thing to do. And again, that that harps back to how we've been raised because, um, you know, I'm I'm hoping and praying that I'm open enough with my kids and, you know, um, trying to show them that, you know, nothing's not nothing's frowned upon anymore. None of us want to be soft as it were, but if you are soft, that's okay as well. You know, we need to stop thinking that if, if you're pigeonholed into one thing, that's a problem. Um, if you're a mix, that's fine. Um, but it's just being able to talk about it, just being open enough. And I really hope that my kids get that. Um, I was raised very traditionally and that's not my parents fault at all, at all. Um, but you know, there's there's certain categories that you were put into, and just ways of speaking, situations. Um, again, I, I being a man, um, being a being a, a British male, I, I always hark back to things like being the man of the house and manning up, and man this and man that, and a man has to be a certain thing. And I think that's probably one of the um, things that put me in my situation was that I was so busy trying to be this male bravado providing doing everything i'm strong i can do this no it's not weak at all i've got no chinks in my armor um but that actually made me weak you know ultimately that was my undoing all of this Mm. thing that was meant to be 
you know, uh, prized was all was all a show. It was all it was all um, actually contributing to a downfall. So again, I, I think as long as um, and this is not just my kids; it, it's my employees, it's it's everybody. My wife's a teacher, um, and um, first thing she did with me, you know, she she pulled me up and she was like, you know, um, you're dyslexic, don't care, you can still write. You're dyslexic, don't care, you can still read. And she's absolutely right. You know, all of a sudden, drop the excuses. She saw straight through me, which is why she's amazing. Um, and, and she, yeah, just drop drop the excuses. Um, and, and again, you know, uh, there's, there's a sense of luck in that, in having somebody that strong and that supportive by my side. Um, and, I, and I hope everybody finds someone like that. But there, um, there, there will always be ways of hiding it. I think that's what I was getting at, is that... Um, we do become very good at it. Um, and as you say, there probably are signs um, and there's probably a responsibility for all of us as well to perhaps know what those signs are or um, make sure we dig that little bit deeper. And again, you know, reference my wife. Um, if, if I turn around, oh, yeah, I'm okay. Why are you okay? Or why, why? She won't, you know, she won't just leave it at, at one step. You have to, you have to keep going until she gets the full answer. And that's fantastic. Um, because it gets things out there, it gets things in the open. Sounds like a hero. Yes, yes. I do really want to get. Uh, I, I'm very keen to get the wife or the husband or what you know, whatever spouse um, relationship yeah. it is on on the podcast to talk to us about their experiencing of of living with someone with mental illness because I think that would be so insightful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Definitely. And I mean, I could probably invite my own wife on, but she loves <laughs> the, the word hero does come to mind, you know, um, Sean, my wife, she's, she's always been my drive. So, um, I, I've always been um, pretty proactive and, and always had a, a, a dream of what I wanted to do. But again, when I, when I married Sean, um, and we opened the shop very similar time, it was because she gave me that drive. So she, she just cut out all the bullshit basically. She's just like, no, I'm not having it. Um, not having any of that. I crack on with what's good. Um, and, and she's always done that. And even today, like I said, um, I, had, I had a call with the doctor this morning. That's been coming for about six months, if I'm honest, because we've expanded all the businesses. We've got busy. She can see, you know, I'm overdoing it again, I'm doing things that I probably shouldn't. Um, my body's starting to give me telltale signs, you know, aching and tiredness and all these little things coming up and she's she's been hounding me to go to the doctors she's like get checked and i'm like well it's it's covid the doctors are busy but she won't have it she's like no pick up the phone speak to the doctor and and lo and behold you know i go in i get a review she's absolutely right um yeah she's fantastic fantastic good on her so with that in mind then it leads me nicely on to my next question which is what what do you do now to look after yourself you know compared to so the, the the you prior to the medical condition. So um, one of the, one of the big things I do I don't um, I don't journal as such. Well, it, it, it's a form of journaling. I list right, so I, I write lots and lots of lists. I get through pads and pads of paper, um, and it's and it's a very messy way of doing things. Um, but I basically just explode my mind um, onto bits of paper, um, which can. Um, be reams and reams of paper um but then i'll sit there um and go through them and categorize them um and i actually use um don't know if you're familiar with trello um but i use a no. I use an app called trello where um it, it's it's kind of like a, a a notepad but you can spread it out so you can have to-do lists and you can have them in different categories um so i use it as a way of um just just spreading the the weight in my brain um, across a, a few different notes and I arrange them, break them into to-do lists, find out things that are actual priorities, things that are weighing heavy on me. The, and and I'll always see that because of all these lists I write, they, they end up in this big stack and then I go through them. And then the ones that are heavy on my mind, I've written them down across like six bits of paper. So they've, they've been brought up multiple times. So they, they come to light. Um, and that's... That's one of the biggest lifts for me because my brain gets too busy. Um, Sean always says I have too many tabs open and I've got to close them because I've got too many 
jobs rolling at once. Um, and it has been a bit of a stressful year. So we, we have um, technically just over a year ago, we only had one shop. Um, and then we sort of exploded into, into the four um, along with COVID, which I have to say in our side of the industry, we've been very busy. Um, so we are grateful that, that our jobs have been been strong throughout COVID. Um, but that's that's been a pressure. So um, meditation and, and just taking time out is is a big thing for me as well. Like I said before about those migraines, um, rather than just, just pushing them away and taking pills now, I'll, I'll stop and, and breathe. Um, sort of my my meditation, I, you know, there's many forms of it, but I I tend to try and um, breathe, um, get get myself steady again, um, push, make sure the headache doesn't stick around, and then sleep. Um, so my my meditation will, will quite often end up in me waking up half an hour later, being like, oh, okay, that happened, um, but I feel good for it, um, and it and it's and it works for me. Um, but that that mixed with again, I, I still use a lot of NLP. Um, I'll sort of stop and look at things again. Uh, again, it's it's generally on paper, so it's usually me writing things or, or scribbling around, just getting it out. Again, much like talking, get, getting it out and, and getting it on a bit of paper. Mm-hmm. Um, as as well as um, I, I have to have to confess, I said to Sean this morning, I, I must go out for a run. Um, because I, I do like running and I do like listening to music. Um, but all, all these things, I, I guess they're all clutches at, at a bit of time for myself, which I used to feel incredibly guilty about. Um, really, really guilty thinking, oh, you know, you've you've just meditated or listened to a good piece of music for 20 minutes when you could have been working. You know, you, you could have been running around trying to make money Um but your your comment earlier about um, working all those hours and actually, I, I was I was so bad on that. I've I used to say that I held the record for the longest shift, which was a thirty six hour shift at Christmas, and I was so proud of the shift. And oh, you know, I've worked so hard. I I deserve a medal. When actually, my productivity in that thirty six hours must have been awful, absolutely awful. And by the end of it, you know, I was just walking around like a zombie. You mm. you eat, drink, sleep healthy across that same period and the productivity is a hundred times better. Um, and it took me strangely enough, um, when I had the, the heart issues, the, um, I had the, I had that in March and obviously the, the following Christmas, I still wasn't anywhere near, uh, back to full health. Um, so that Christmas I had to rest and I had to sit back and I had to manage and I had to let the team do things. And it's amazing how much when you when you step away and step back and, and take that time for yourself and breathe, you get so much more done. So much more done. Mm. And actually all, all my all my job lists, um, when I'm not in the mix, when I'm not in the motion, when I step away and put those job lists out there, I get through them. Um, I actually take them and and you know achieve things. And that's a lovely thing as well. And again, the, the app I use Trello, um, I keep on there like a like a completed folder, and that's a lovely thing to do as well is to is to look back at what I've done, um, you know what I've achieved when I've been healthy when I've when I've got my sleep eaten well, um, silly things drunk some water, um, yeah. you know I achieved so much more, um, and and you look at it you step back and look at it and you think what a no brainer, like I'm such an idiot. You know, like it's so obvious, and it's we get that across. I'm sure you do. We get, get it across work in everything. That that really, the more simplistic, the more natural, the more normal, you end up in a better position. Um, and yeah, probably the the, the last thing I do um, is I try and be mindful. Um, and I struggle with what mindful was for for a long time. Um, until I was cutting some meat um, and, you know, a long time cutting meat, uh, my, my hands, they are um, muscle memory to, to certain things, but I really enjoy it. Um, and I, I like to cut meat well. And when I'm in that flow and just that motion and 
nothing else matters. You know, I have to, you, as a butcher, you have to concentrate because if you don't concentrate, you, you're going to hurt yourself. Um, so I just end up in that moment. Um, and there are times when, you know, you end up butchering, you know, a bunch of lambs or some pork or you're making some sausages, you're, you're breaking down a body of beef. Um, and it, it, it just becomes very artistic. Um, and we have a, a cutting room where um, we're the contract butchers to do some beef. And I really love being in there on my own, headphones on, a bit of classical music with a knife. Um, I'd love to be a fly on the wall looking at me at the time. Um, it's like the butcher's version of American Psycho. <laughs> yeah, it must, must look weird. But, um, but, you know, it's so good because everything just clears. Like literally the, the, the mind just clears. And again, the shoulders go down. The, the breathing comes back um, and, and it's, and it's really good for you because the, the opposite to that, the, the tension and the stress, um, they're the, they're the worrying ones for me. They're, they're what put me in hospital for sure. Um, I'll also blame sugar and processed wheats, but that's another story. Oh yeah. Diet is a, it plays a big part, but that's, yeah. you know, and that's the, that's the, that's the frustrating thing about, mental health and being mentally well is that there are a lot of different components to it they're not impossible but you do have to make an active um active mission just to put them into order so the other thing i was looking at recently is designing a stress reprogramming guide so it's a guide to overcoming stress so what you do is you write down the stressor in a box and then you write down three things to tackle the stress so it's like, what am I stressing about? Well, I'm stressing about finances. Okay, so how do I handle this? I cut back on some of the expenses that I've got. I look at trying to earn a little bit more money or, you know, this situation will change itself in a period of time. And that I found has been quite useful for me. So I was looking at putting that into some sort of guide for people. Um, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, so, because it is often that thing, like we said, when, when you're in that, um, when you're on that hamster wheel, and you're just spinning, 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 you know, you just got to stop, get out. Like you've just said, look at it. Look look at what you can do um, without panicking about it, without stressing about it. And I know that's that's very easy to say when you're not on the hamster wheel. Um, when you're on the hamster wheel, it's a different story. You know, you've got to keep running. Um, but it, it's it's taking that first chance on it and just, just say, hey, you know, I'll try it. Let's try it, you know. Um, uh, back uh, a few years back, again, I have to say I haven't done much for lately, but I was doing Pilates. Um, and that was great for me because not only was it, it, it was strength and it was kind of like a, a, a good gym exercise, but it was also good for my mind and I was stretching, I was breathing again and it, and it was all good. Um, and again, I was the, the stigma, I would have gone for yoga, but, you know, yoga was like, oh, you know, you can't do yoga because you're a man. Well, what? Why not? Um, and then I've done a bit of yoga, and yoga's fantastic. Um, but it, it is always that thing where, as as a guy, as a butcher, you know, I'm a butcher. I can't do that. Of course you can. Why not? Why not? And, it, and it's removing that stigma, which is probably the hardest part, um, particularly in our industry, because it is so, you know, it's it's so old school. It's so driven like that. Um, and again, like like you said, it, it takes takes a few people to to be a little inspirational, I guess, and um be a bit more open and and say that that's okay you know it's fine don't don't panic don't no one's judging you no one's judging you and if people are judging you then i really wouldn't worry about them because because they're the sort of people you don't need to listen to yeah cut 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 out the negativity i mean everyone's entitled to a mistake but if you're getting it on a regular basis and uh you know, yeah. it's people that you've known. For, what I don't get is people that you've known for a long period of time, right? They know what your character is. Yeah. So they know that you've, you know, picked yeah. them up at the side of the road when their car broke down. And all of a sudden, then they start hurling stuff at you like, oh, you've deliberately gone out of your way to do this. And it's, and you yeah. think, okay. You oh, know, you, but you have to look at it from two sides. You think, well, actually, perhaps, you know, I don't want to label everyone. I don't want to say, well, because they're idiots at this moment in time, they must be mentally unwell. But you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And, Absolutely, yeah, and I, and I think um, on that note, that that is what therapy is great for, um, because it, it makes you stop and think that you you can't be responsible for how other people are thinking, 
um, and you you can't change the way they're thinking. You can try and help them, and you you can open doors for them, but you can't change their thinking. Um, so you know, try and worry about yourself first. That's that's another thing I would say to people. Um, doesn't mean disrespect anybody else, but look after yourself because ultimately, if if you're well looked after, then you can help others. If if you're not well looked after and you try and help others, you're probably going to hurt them. Mm. Um, and that's what what some people do when they have good intentions. Yeah, it's the old analogy of the gas mask, isn't it? Uh, gas mask. Yeah. Sorry, I do apologise. The air mask on a plane. You know, you always have to put yours on before you try and help other people because without yours on, you're good right. to no one. Um, totally. Exactly. But it's uh, yeah. I mean, I could talk to you about I could talk to you about this for, for ages, but I appreciate that. <laughs> you know. You're busy. You've got family. I've got to go home and try and see mine yeah. at some stage as well. But um... <laughs> yes, you should. Um, there was one other thing that I should have said about, um, and um, I am uh, only just uh, touching the tip of the iceberg of this. But uh, gut health—that's um, another thing that's become really big for me because of what I do, um, because of the proteins that I sell. Um, it was—it was a big question for me. Obviously, heart issues, animal fats. Straight away, I was like, "Oh my God, is is what I'm eating causing me problems?" It, it totally wasn't. It's nothing to do with animal fats, but it did lead me on to looking into a lot of gut health. Um, so that is one other thing that that I do. Um, you know, bit of bit of fermenting and and that sort of thing, and just being very cautious about what I'm putting in my body um, because I I do believe that the the gut is so linked to the brain. Um, but as I say, I'm no scientist, I'm not a doctor, but um, it, it becomes quite obvious to me that when I'm eating well, I, I feel well, I, I feel good. And and, it, and if, if that is a mental thing, if that's a physical thing, if whatever it is, it doesn't matter, it works. Well, so um, that's another thing I'd highly recommend. That's a good all. point. Not many people know that um, 90% of your serotonin is actually produced in your, in your gut. So... You yeah. know, when you're living off of a diet, and many in hospitality are living off of diets of you know fat, fatty foods, quick grab and go stuff, high yeah. sugar. Yeah. yeah, sugars, processed sweets. Again, like like I was saying about that um, podcast, listen to you and Sat Baines, and the the thought of looking after the nutrition of your staff helps them, and it it, it just makes so much sense, so much sense. Yeah, and I still going back to what you were saying about being more aware of these sort of subjects and certainly once you've had a mental illness or you've had therapy i genuinely believe and i think i'll probably go and make a t-shirt with this one at some stage but mental illness is a superpower because once you've had mental illness you just become it's like someone drops a a bomb off in their head and yes it's you know mental illness isn't great and and i wouldn't wish it upon anyone but i think once you've had it and if you can recover from mental illness you just have this wide wider perspective of all things yeah yeah I, I totally agree i totally agree i think um you know the reason we go through this is because we're we're on a path which is unhealthy and we're going down that track and then something happens and it just smacks us off that road and all of a sudden you've got to find a new direction and you, you explore the other paths so you start looking around um and it's it's so it is. I, I, I totally agree. It's it's such such an eye opener. Um, I'm going to call it a superpower. You're absolutely right. It's a Congratulations. We've got a new T-shirt line coming out. <laughs> Just what people need. <laughs> but uh, yeah. uh, don't, I've got. I'll tell you what I do have coming in actually, and slightly off subject, but I've spoke to um, Bert, an incredible guy at Tog Knives, and he's um, very yes. kindly yeah. doing me um, two sets of Japanese burnt chef pocket knives and he just he texted me rather i was rather rudely he texted me as as the podcast started and i got for a moment i got distracted because i'm an absolute sucker for a lush knife and these are like black like yeah black blade black handle i just uh i'm like i'm like a kid in a candy shop now so um in terms of sort of final advice pieces, if someone was looking at starting a career, because I do get a lot of students listening to this as well, you know, if, if someone was looking at starting a career in butchery and, you know, whether yeah. that's a career to, to learn the skill and to move on or to follow in your footsteps and open up businesses, what sort of advice would you have for them? 
I think really I, w- I would just get in and, and chat to chat to your local butcher. Um, so I've always been a big fan of, of people who are willing. Um, so, you know, more often than not, if somebody comes to me and says, you know, I'd, I'd like to be a butcher or I'd like to learn butchery, even if it's a case of us saying, oh, well, look, you know, come along one Saturday afternoon and we'll show you how to break down a lamb or, um, you know, come along on this day, we're making whatever. Um, try and get your shoe in the door. Um, and when you do that, you know, just listen, learn, do as you're told to a certain extent, um, show willing, and then you'll you'll be given an opportunity. Um, I think now, as I said, our, our retail industry for butchery is doing really well at the moment. And it, it slightly pains me to say it on a predominantly chef podcast, um, but we're, we're very busy, really busy. So um, for anybody out there, we've we've actually had a lot of chefs working with us and for us, um, and we do have job opportunities. So any chef out there that's looking to add that skill set, now's a great time. Um, and again, pop in, see, see your local butcher, just have a chat. And it might be that they say, oh, look, you know, we're good, but I hear so-and-so is a bit short at the moment. Um, because I, I could probably name a good few butchers who would who would happily have an apprentice at the moment or, you know, the, the chef skills that are out there. There's so much of that that crosses over. So it's it's a great place to start. Yeah, and I, you know, in a similar sort of vein, I've I've always been interested in learning how to like butcher yeah, deer or something. And I think that there's a lot of chefs and a lot of well, a lot of just general people who are interested in food who would be keen to learn that skill as well. Yeah. So you uh, you might have a busy summer. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know. I, I think it's I think it's a good thing. Is um, one of the, one of the really nice things is when traditional butchery is is all about whole animal butchery. That's that's what we do, um, and when we show people that, it, it's amazing. You know, the the whole picture when you see it as a whole, I think gives you much more knowledge moving forward. So we we've had plenty of chefs through where we've just done butchery workshops, um, and I've seen those chefs go away. And then I've seen some of these different cuts or some of these old school muscles then appear on menus. And it's brilliant. It, it's so good to see because at, at the end of the day, the, the more we use the animal properly, um, the more we can support, you know, higher welfare, better produced uh, animal production. Um, a great one for, for any chef out there, just as a little tip, is look into PFLA meat. Um, that's purely pasture fed meats. And there's a whole list of of good things that come about from from using that production method um but yeah seeing it seeing it in its whole form i I think is is really educational um and yes chefs get out there you know go go knock up your local butcher and and ask ask for a bit of uh bit of knowledge share that resonates with me yeah that's one reason i um my photography business is called nose to tail photography because I, I love oh. that whole Victorian style of using every last morsel of food yeah. and letting nothing go to waste because no life deserves oh. to be wasted and just thrown in the bin, you know? Totally. Yep, yep. Couldn't agree more. Yep. Um, so final question then is, if you were to give some advice to uh, your 18-year-old self, what would you tell yourself? <laughs> oh, dear. Um, I, I would... I mean, you know, the, the journey that's got me here has got me here. So I, I wouldn't want to change that. However, um, I would I would say to myself, stop trying to prove yourself. Stop trying to impress other people um, and, and worry about yourself and, and those closest to you. Um, I think I was very guilty of, of being very immature um, for a long time, long, long time, probably way past 18. Um, but there was that thing again of... of I think because, like I said earlier, because I've always had excuses uh, throughout my life and e- easy to throw an excuse. On the flip side of it, I always wanted people to turn around and say, oh, no, actually, that's brilliant. Um, so it was always, always after that sort of gratification that, uh, oh, no, you've done really well, always chasing it, which um, is lovely, um, but I'd have been far better just being comfortable and content with myself. Um, I'd also tell myself, not to buy that car for 20 quid that I did at 18. <laughs> what car did you buy for 20 quid? 
Well, I say it was a bad movie. It was it was necessary at the time. Um, it was an Austin Montego, oh, nice. um, and and basically I'd I'd, uh, I'd lost my job at eighteen, and um, I was off to work at another butcher's, uh, and couldn't get there. Um, so I was catching the bus to and from work, um, and uh, yeah, I, I ended up buying a car for twenty quid, and it was a nightmare, but it it, it got me to work and. Um, most That's of the time once <laughs> it got me there but i couldn't yeah, yeah. yeah there, was, there was a lot of changes of batteries and a lot of bump starting um and it was it was awful it wasn't a good look but you know that's that's where i was at 18 so uh had to roll with it Mate, that's class thank you ever so much and for that, anyone that wants to try and find you online where can they get your hold of you um so mainly um i'm on instagram um at simon the butch um we do have a surrey hills butchers page as well as well as a surrey hills delicatessen um but that's that's where i'm most active that's where you'll find me updating a lot of stuff we're also on facebook but really it's it's simon the butch uh, is where you'll find me if uh, if you are interested as a chef uh, there are some um dodgy old videos of me on youtube surrey hills butchers um, there are things like breaking down a lamb making sausages um some of the things that us butchers do class thank you ever so much and simon thanks for joining me as well quite right no thanks for having me really enjoyed no it no problem at all and i'll uh, i'll touch base with you again soon thanks take care chris i really hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the burn chef journal if you wanted to learn more about the burn chef project head over to our website www.theburntchefproject.com where you'll find a whole host of resources and information relating to well-being and mental health within hospitality. Whilst you're there, why not visit our shop and support us by purchasing some branded merchandise, which we then use the profits to fund our ongoing work in destigmatizing mental health within the hospitality industry. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you again next week. <laughs>